We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Light Years Podcast, Sam Esfandiari here. This is the, uh, the last week without Andy Liu, the, the last week where it's just adults um, before we get back to, to getting out of control. Um, so I had, to bring in, I had to bring in kind of a bridge guest, someone who I didn't think would take it all the way to full Andy, but would kind of get us out of the boring dunked on knockoff style podcast. Um, so <laughs> Justin Rowan from uh the chase down and i feel like every warrior fans favorite cab fan you're like you're like the john mccain of warrior fans here (laughs) i appreciate that um i i probably won't be able to go full andy i even though it is a weeknight i'm i'm sober um which isn't in the spirit of what he brings to the table but (laughs) i i'm i'm happy to be here i really do appreciate it I do, I do feel like um, with LeBron officially missing the playoffs, um, with one, you cover the Cavs, and then two, obviously Warrior fans have a have a uh, special relationship with all things LeBron. This is you the think? perfect episode for you to come on to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, uh, it, it's funny. It, it's almost like people focus on LeBron, and there's a conversation surrounding him, even if he doesn't play for your favorite team. Yeah, I mean, he, he's mastered the media thing. That's that's for sure. I did appreciate the minute that they uh, they got eliminated. His uh, trainer posts like the long winded Instagram, like explaining how he should have been out six months. Just <laughs> just master master of narratives. 
I, I did I did see that, and uh, it's it's no secret that he does like to control the narrative. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear uh, that he hasn't been at a hundred percent. Whether that's just a conditioning thing or if it's some sort of lingering issue, uh, but it, it is it is funny to see how that post comes out. I mean. There, there's no way he was going to go out quietly, and and that Instagram post was uh, actually it came a little bit later than I expected. Yeah, I think it, it was. I thought it was curated to like to release the minute they got eliminated, like it was sitting in the drafts, and it's like okay, it's official now, release. <laughs> it's it's right up there. So that one was a scheduled one, and there's one tomorrow. Uh, when he puts up 28 points in a loss, there's going to be a post about uh, Chris Bosh getting his number retired that'll come up right after the game and uh, just talk about <laughs> the, the glory days there. Um, it's it, I, it's funny. It, it's almost like I, I get what he's doing this year with the Instagram posts and uh, the, the kind of tone-deaf messages he's firing out. He's just kind of focusing on the positives. Um, but it, it's just... I, I can see from a Lakers fan perspective of just how frustrating that would be. Um, I, I think he, I was joking about this cause I went on the, the heat beat podcast earlier, but uh, we we're, were wondering if he's just struggles with normal human emotions and you almost got like a sociopath thing going on, going full Dennis Reynolds of, Oh man, I, I, I think this is what people want to hear at this point. <laughs> I actually don't think he posts any of them. I'm pretty convinced he's just fully in the Hollywood thing. Like he's not even aware of what's going on. Um, he had that quote when they played the Knicks where it was like telling Kevin Knox, just like, don't even look at social media. And I kind of believe to a degree he, he tries not to look at that stuff. Cause like, can you imagine being in his shoes? Just how miserable that would be. I mean, Oh or, yeah. Or just like what KD does, which <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> later. But like, obviously it's not great for your mental health. Um, but like, so I kind of, I kind of have this theory that it's, um, someone in his management team just doing it and he's like quasi unaware of all of it like it's full weekend at bernie's yeah i i thought about that i i'm not sure where i stand on that i it i could see a, a reality where he's just kind of posting stuff and uh, throwing that out into the void and then just never checks the mentions um but also just the wording and everything it's it's that peak corny dad uh that lebron is really known for and yeah. for that reason i i can see if it's not if it's not being posted by him it's something that he at least had kind of dictated earlier on and it's just a social media manager publishing it um but it, it's definitely in his voice so that that makes me think that he he had some part of it so I, I know you're not bitter about LeBron leaving. You've been pretty like pretty clear with all that. Is mm -hmm. there like a sense of kind of this is the best case scenario of how him exiting would feel for you guys? Uh, to to a certain extent. So the the best case scenario is that the Cavs are going to end up with the best possible lottery odds this year. Uh, you got kind of a healthy locker room surprisingly um you kevin love still kind of bought in and i know that the team's never going to contend again uh but they seem to be in position to well, kind unless of they get around. zion or something yeah yeah oh well ev even then i i don't think that that's going to put them over the top or, or even close to that um but in terms of how this season has gone um 
personally, I would like to see him in a better situation. Like I, I would have preferred to see some help around him, but given the conversation this summer, um, and just how stubborn the Lakers had been, yeah. Uh, oh, they're they're total not- dicks. Don't be nice about it. Right. It was like it was some of the most like it was it was just so arrogant and undeserved like of all people to say it like people roll their eyes and the Warriors are arrogant but at least the basketball has backed it up over the last few years it's like right. who are these guys and and it's also kind of funny that after eight straight of finals appearances this is the season where the Eastern Conference beat LeBron James. Um, <laughs> the Lakers versus the East with LeBron. I, I think they're they're at eight and fourteen now, um, and they're ten and eighteen overall uh, versus the Western Conference. They're twenty two and twenty three, eighteen and fourteen with LeBron. Um, so <laughs> it's actually the games against the Eastern Conference that doomed them and kept them out out of the uh, the race. Uh, so th- that's pretty funny to look at. I, obviously, I don't think you can read a whole lot into it. Everyone with eyes can see that the the West is better this season, but it is just kind of a funny wrinkle in all of this. But yeah, I, I think the the Lakers' victory lap and just how much they dismissed, um, both with the fan base and the comments from Magic Johnson on on how teams haven't built well around LeBron in the past. Yeah, uh, and, and my whole thing was like. Um, I've seen people apologize. Like the the one apologist line has been like, "Well, Palinka's a first time GM. Magic's a first time, whatever the hell his position is." Right. <laughs> but like, so they should have put like experienced guys around them. But I'm sitting here going like, I don't feel like you needed that much experience to know Rondo and Lance were not were like just terrible ideas setting up for like the most combustible situation ever. Right, and and the baffling thing to me, and this is something I've tweeted out before, but as Magic Johnson, when you're thinking, okay, LeBron is probably the closest thing we've seen to Magic in terms of size, passing ability, and, and the way he kind of runs a team. Yes, he scores more, um, but he's the closest we've seen to it. The fact that Magic would look at LeBron and be like, okay, what we need to do is take the ball out of his hands. We're going to get ball handlers that can't really shoot, and we're just going to get more and more secondary playmaking. As much as I would have, I, I disagreed with not trading the young guys and, and kind of trying to sure. see what you got there. If you actually believed in the young players, what you would do is you'd surround LeBron and the the young core with guys that fit that that highlight their strengths and, and put them in the best possible light, either to develop them internally or to showcase well, them you, as trade pieces. It's they pretty. Just got, cl- it's they pretty just got poor man's versions of each of them. Yeah, it's pretty clear that they were just planning to trade them the whole time. Like that that AD thing was – this is where like um, that felt like pre-planned for six months is, is all yes. I'm going to say. Like you can't tell me like, oh, that was Rich Paul. LeBron had nothing to do with that. Uh, more so you, the Lakers had nothing to do with that, you know, that sort of thing. Like that was mm-hmm. all – that felt very um, premeditated. And, like, they literally built a roster for the idea that they would strip the roster. Right, right, exactly. But my point is still, even if that's your intention, um, I, I think you could have gone about it better in highlighting those guys as trade assets. And and you know what? I, I agree. I, I think that the intention all along was to make a trade. I, I think that was what LeBron had in mind as well. Um, 
but they they probably had other trade talks earlier in the season, especially right. with all the guys we saw that moved. And when they got pushed back or there was no interest in the young guys, they figured, okay, we have to pull out all the, all the stops. We have to do all the back channel stuff. We have to leak everything. We have to put everything in this AD basket and the Pelicans are going to fold like other teams have folded as they trade guys right. to the Lakers. And then that just didn't occur. Um, and they, they, I, I don't think the, the trade rumors are what caused everything to fall apart. Oh, I disagree. Um, hear, hear me on this one here. Okay. So they were, um, so with LeBron uh, pre-injury, they were an average offense, and when he went off the floor, they were the worst offense in the NBA. Right. Um, but defensively, they were top ten. Without LeBron, they were obviously terrible on offense, but they were still top. The defense was the same. It wasn't mm-hmm. any worse. The minute those trade rumors started, they fell to like the third or the second worst defense in the NBA. And defense is definitely, it, that's about like playing for each other. They turned into a team of guys who are all just playing for their stats. It's not that Ingram and Kuzma weren't good after the trade. It's just that like, you you know when you're playing with someone you don't care about when you, you have zero interest to make a rotation. And that's kind of how they played post-trade deadline in my opinion. So no, I, I I certainly get that I I think there that there's an element to that, um, but at the same time we have to remember that there was going to be some regression just to begin with because they don't have that many players. Yeah, that but, are but the of offense didn't defense. the offense didn't get worse is is my thing. Like post deadline, the offense was exactly as good as it was pre, which kind of just speaks to like LeBron can literally generate offense while not being able to move because he's that right. Smart. Right, I understand that, but. Uh, my my point is that the defense was probably better than it actually was, and I, I don't think that that was just an effort thing, and then that was lacking after. I mean, Tyson Chandler played a big role in that, and he was a corpse. Like they had good two three weeks with him. Uh, oh, the other yeah. the sure. other factor is that the the schedule was back loaded. It was always going to get worse. And if you look at that time of year, uh, that early December time, like. Even Denver had a great defense at that point. Like it, it's still a lot of that early season noise, and obviously Lonzo Ball getting hurt that hurt the defense. But they just don't have good defensive players on that roster. And I think uh, so. There, there's obviously the injuries. There's the the trade rumors and that affecting chemistry. But there was going to be a natural regression. And the fact that their only deadline move. It's okay that you struck out on Anthony Davis. Obviously, you would have liked to have them. But the fact that they didn't really go out and help the team, they, the they just traded. Yeah, yeah, the Mescala trade makes no sense whatsoever. And I think if even if you did kind of what the Cavs did last year, where you add a bunch of role players that teams aren't necessarily interested in, um, expiring guys or guys that you're able to make a decision on, but that fit a little bit better with the team, I, I think that would have gone a long way towards kind of salvaging this season yeah i mean when i look at it uh, end of the day lebron got hurt at the most gimme part of the schedule if you if you remember they like they yep. lost to the knicks the bulls like the the games that if they had Cavs. lebron it would have yeah except the Cavs, it would have those were like the, that was like the span they needed to go like nine and one or like eight and two because they were inevitably going to lose a bunch of games to utah and you know whoever yeah. it may be yeah, the, it, the schedule was backloaded to to accommodate TV scheduling. That's the way that it always is with LeBron teams. And 
you know what? It just the injuries and the timing was the worst possible scenario for them. Yeah. Well, we've done our sufficient victory lap. Um, I have no sympathy for them whatsoever. I, I don't either. It's <laughs> it's fine. I mean, even their best case scenario, they weren't going to be a contender. Uh, even if they traded for Anthony Davis, they they would probably still be a second round out in the West because it takes I, I th- more than two guys. I think uh, they would have been sneaky if he never got hurt because it's still LeBron and it would have like, as long as the young guys are bought in, they could have got some momentum out of that. I'm, I'm still not convinced outside of Houston. The rest of the West is like that discern. They're good. They're really good, but they're not like, I'm not taking Utah over a healthy LeBron team, I guess. Like if, if you're going to give me some, even without shooting, it would have been difficult. But anyway, we're beyond that. We've we've got our jokes <laughs> in. I actually wanted to transition this. I think you have a unique take on this because the big theme for the year for, for Warrior fans has been just kind of super team fatigue. Um, right. And it's one of those things that, like, you can't really give it credence until you live it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can, you can conceptualize it. People can tell you about it. And you can be like, that makes sense. But if it's not the team you're watching, you know, four nights a week and consuming on a daily basis, you don't truly get like how it just kind of like every year is more of a grind and every year it's less and less enjoyable during the regular season. Yeah. Um, so at first I kind of wanted your, you know, because you, you pay attention to them the way you pay attention to the rest of the league, uh, mm-hmm. but you're not like in the weeds the way we all are on it. So like, just kind of like your perspective on what you're seeing. I mean, all things considered it, it's remarkable that there hasn't been more drama along the way. Um, Cause just accumulating talent in the NBA is one thing, but the, the, just the way that these guys have fit together is pretty remarkable. Um, I, I guess this season is more of what you would kind of expect. Um, because you, you got the guys that were there for, since the beginning. And there's going to be tensions there. Uh, you're, you're going to have times when Draymond's frustrated with Steve Kerr. Uh, you're going to have times where there's disagreements between uh, those three guys. And then you have the added pressure of a star player that has the potential to leave. And that is just going to pour gasoline on the entire situation. So all things considered, with how little they actually have to play for in the regular season, I think it's pretty remarkable that there hasn't been more issues or more public issues. Um, but I, I think this is all pretty standard. Like I, I look at the drama that they've had and I, I, it all just seems like things that will go away when the, the pressure of the playoffs comes. I, I don't think that it's going to be something that causes them to crack. I think it's something that makes them just go, okay, none of this is important enough to sabotage what's going on. And, just everything simplifies when it comes to playoff basketball. Yeah, we'll say it gave me a little uh, more appreciation for LeBron in the sense of like it's pretty obnoxious watching him in the regular season like the last four years when you know he's objectively better than that. <laughs> and then you just then you watch like players that you aren't used to doing that start doing the same thing when it's like fourth, fifth year of a run and it really yeah. starts hitting you. It's like, dude, you're you're just asking it's like an unrealistic ask yeah and, and the big thing and i know we've had disagreements on this in the past the the thing with lebron especially with how he coasts in the regular season the playoff lebron and and that second tier 
it would not exist if he didn't coast, right? right? Especially after the 14, 15 years in the league. Um, it, it just wasn't possible. The, there has been regression to his game. He's just very good at hiding it. And uh, a little less this year because it, it's just right. that obvious that, that defense isn't something he can turn on even at the best of times. Uh, <laughs> but you're right. Like the, There's just times where this Warriors team is coasting. Well, it's like players are faced with two decisions or three decisions, really. They can go the Tim Duncan route, which is like gracefully kind of shrink their role and do like because Duncan was he just became more about like defense and team play instead of like getting his 25 and 15 as he got older. Mm-hmm. Or you can go the Kobe route, which is literally just die on the court. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or you could do the LeBron thing where you're trying to kind of meld the two. And right. it's it's annoying to those who seen you at your peak because they know, you know, like you didn't used to, you know, not get back in transition like that. But yeah. a, a decade ago, you you were possibly the best defensive player yeah. in the league. You're chasing it's, down it, every play. But yeah, it's almost his approach to his overall game is very similar to the Cavs approach to like playoff basketball, where it was like, OK, we're going to make strategic sacrifices where we're going to cover four guys really well, uh, but we're going to leave Lance Stevenson. Why the hell open? And uh, uh, the Harrison Barnes defense that worked out for you guys, right? It, exactly. It's a little more difficult when KD's in the Barnes role, but uh, it, it works against a lot of other teams. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there's no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork, or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured you're taking steps to protect your family, and in most cases with Ethos, you can get peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day, with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application within minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. Getethos.com. Getethos.com. Um, yeah, so like the... But the, the thing with the Warriors is it's it is really all revolving around KD because Steph... I actually here I'll throw out my take. I have not loved Steph's season at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he's playing off ball more than ever, and a lot of that's just trying to accommodate everyone. But I feel like he's taking the well. If I'm going to play like a shooting guard, I'm getting up shots like a shooting guard because right. he's he's part of what made Steph great and was also frustrating in bad games was like you'd want him to take over, but he'd be too committed to doing the right thing. So you'd get those like big games where he only had 16 or 17 shots because he passed out of double teams. Yeah. Um, and ultimately in the aggregate, that is why they were as good as they were. Because even when you lose a game like that, more times than not playing with that approach leads to wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year where he's basically like about five assists a game, which is the lowest since his rookie year. And, um, you know, a lot of games where it's like three assists because he's basically off ball playing shooting guard the whole time. He's getting up whatever look he wants, and he'll never be shy about looks he thinks are good looks. Yeah. So it's just a lot of like, 
25 plus shot games, which is, it's weird. I think he's on pace for his most shots per game ever. And you mm-hmm. wouldn't think this is the most talent he's ever played with. Cause when you throw in boogie, like I don't even know how you can get that many shots up. Right. Yeah. It, the shot selections almost like year one Kyrie with LeBron before he attempted to uh, get guys more uh, involved in the game. And Listen, second I, I most think shots that, per game. By the way, I was wrong on that. the The sixteen MVP season was the most, which it should have been. But he he was uh, he was pretty good that year, in my opinion. Um, it, like the Demarcus Cousins edition, I I think it's still a smart move. You you add talent whenever you can add it, right? Um, but the problem is over the course of an eighty two game season, when this team knows damn well that nothing they do in the regular season matters, like they can go into they could go into this playoffs as the eighth seed, and they're still in, uh, the overwhelming favorite, in my opinion. Um, I, I think that's when having so many mouths to feed and trying to decide on, okay, what are we going to prioritize? Who who are we going to try to get going? I think those decisions become a little more difficult. And for Steph, I, I think your observations are right. He's just he's playing off ball. He's just going to jack up shots because he realizes, okay, I'm not the straw that stirs the drink tonight. I'm I'm playing off ball. We're trying to get KD going. We're trying to keep him happy. Uh, we're trying to get Demarcus back in shape and involved. And uh, it, it's it's awkward. I, I could see why this season wouldn't be a lot of fun. Um, but. I just think the the talent overall it's going to erase any problems that they're uh, that they have in the regular season. Yeah, the um, like last night's a perfect example. I don't I don't even know how it's possible for KD to play thirty six minutes and take six shots, uh, but that's <laughs> like and it, and it was Kevin and it was, Wiggins, and it was good because he had eleven assists. Like he was it was it was a weird game in that regard. But then you look at it afterwards, you're like, this is. I thought not, it was a typo. Yeah. I thought it was a typo. <laughs> I didn't even realize he only got six. Like, I was watching the game, and I'm like, okay, they're, you know, point KD, and this is working because he's a really good passer. And then, like, some sometime in the fourth quarter, I'm like, you know, he's like, I only really remember him making two shots. And then I looked at the box score. I was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know what the funny thing is? They have actually played better the last two months when one of the – the four, I guess, offensive-minded starters, so not counting Draymond, sits. So, mm-hmm. like, when, when KD was out, it flowed perfectly. Boogie, yep. When Boogie's been out, it flows perfectly. It's like, But, like, when it's all four of them, it's it's finally that there's only one ball thing that, um, you know, it was kind of silly that people said when they got KD. But, like, you know, Boogie's another player who wants the ball in his hands. He's not a Clay Thompson type. Yeah. Um, so it's finally reaches that point where it's like, I don't want to say diminishing returns, but like kind of, no, it, it is, it, it 100% is. And, um, it's, it's a testament to how well the, the four fit together in Steph, Clay, Draymond and KD. Um, because I don't think there's a lot of personalities that could make that work. And once you get to a fifth guy that that needs the ball and expects the ball, um, man, it's there's just not enough possessions in a game. Uh, there really isn't. And I think guys get in zones where they're comfortable in. And when you have, well, Dr- I mean, Draymond's so unselfish. And when he's getting the ball, he's looking to create for other guys. 
Um, but throughout the course of a game, guys get into a rhythm and they say, okay, tonight's a clay night, tonight's a Steph night, tonight's a KD night. Um, and on those nights when it was just the four of them, you could still get enough shots for the other guys. But once you're trying to get DeMarcus involved too, it almost it almost reminds me a little bit of Denver when they kind of got everybody and everybody's like a secondary playmaker on that team. And it's just this awkward phase where there's no established hierarchy on the floor. And as you said, I, I think it just ends up being diminishing returns at that point. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much just diminishing returns. By the way, that, that kind of speaks to Clay's unique value because he doesn't need the ball. Like he, I don't know that he's a max player in the, in the sense, the traditional sense of what you think he is because of the way that finances work. Right, right, right. Uh, but like he's a guy who plays well with any other superstar because he can give you 20 without having to dribble the ball once. Yeah. And no, I think he's like, he's a dream. Yeah. <laughs> in that way. So it's just, um, it wouldn't work if you substituted him for like Kawhi's a superior player, right? It mm-hmm. wouldn't work. They'd be worse if Kawhi was in his role, which sounds silly to say, but it's just like they would be, it'd just be another guy who wants the ball, who wants to post up and it'd just be, it'd be kind of more of a mess. Right? No, no, absolutely. And I mean, it's almost, this is a bad example because there's just not as much, chemistry in these situations but it's just like when we see an international play when a team keeps up with uh team usa right if you have guys that fit together that know their roles um you you can put together the you can be better than the sum of your parts and i I think when you have guys that don't necessarily fit as well together or them having the ball takes away from someone else's rhythm um it, it just isn't as good yeah definitely um, so I'm going to get to some of these questions now. Okay. This one, I should have done this one earlier and we were kind of taking a little victory lap on the Lakers. At what <laughs> point did you think the Lakers season was going off the rails? Okay. So there's, there's a, I guess a few parts to that. I, I think at the start of the year, I knew it wasn't going to go well. I knew that, uh, by December, LeBron would be demanding trades. Um, but when I knew it was officially doomed was after the deadline passed and, and they didn't really add a whole lot that fits or, or helps out at all. Um, I mean, I like the Bullock edition, but that's just one more <laughs> wing player that, that doesn't address any of their needs, really. So um, it uh, at that point, I, I knew that they, they were in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I was going to I'm trying to think. Who did they lose to the game after? So they played... Um... Houston the first game after the All-Star break. I think Phoenix was the next. Yeah, Phoenix, that's the one. Yeah, That's when I was like, oh, they might be in trouble here because um, mm-hmm. I didn't believe they wouldn't make the playoffs. Like going, I- <laughs> going Going off the rails is – it it's, depends on your perception. Like um, their season went off the rails when LeBron got hurt. But like mm-hmm. that Phoenix loss is when I was like, oh, they might not make the playoffs. I didn't yeah, think that I, I didn't went, I didn't entertain that possibility prior. Yeah, I went on a podcast earlier that day with uh Anthony Irwin and uh Harrison Fig and I was like, Yeah, they're they're gonna I think they're gonna still make playoffs. I'm like, I just have a hard time picturing it. And then by that evening I was like, 
oh shit, they're not making playoffs. Like that, <laughs> they're doomed. So I, I, I think the the Phoenix loss was when it really sunk in that the the math just wasn't in their favor. All right. Okay. From GS G GSW James, sorry to bore you with KD again. Is there any chance we would do a sign and trade with him? That way he gets his money and we could get a couple draft picks to help the run going. Obviously, uh, the Warriors would do that um, if he wanted to leave. Like, that's better than him leaving for free. I just don't really see why. Like, Yeah. And, it, and it's just, it's not it's not easy to do sign-and-trades right. anymore. And in the new CBA, I just don't see how it's possible. But So you're saying no to Brandon Knight and Jordan Clarkson in the Houston first? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a no. Um, I, I guess the the dream scenario, if you've resigned yourself to the idea that KD's leaving, is uh, Kate Kyrie stays in Boston, which also seems unlikely, mm-hmm. and he's dead set on playing with Kyrie, so they have to force some sort of, like, you take Gordon Hayward and we'll give you Jalen Brown. Uh, but that's not happening. That's like, that's, yeah. that's like the best-case scenario the Warriors could come up with um, in that sort of thing. I mean, the good news is, uh, even without KD, you guys are probably still the favorites next year. Um, I I just don't see a sign and trade being possible. Yeah, it's not happening. Um, let's see what else we got here. Ah, a couple variations of this question. Someone asks: Is is low usage KD the best ver- the best thing for this team? Did KD finally find his spot in Kerr's offense as the point? My God. Um. <laughs> yeah, this is like uh, such first world problems. <laughs> you're I, listening to this, or like this is the kind of stuff you have to debate. <laughs> yeah, is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, peer score we've ever seen. Uh, better in a low usage passing role like Draymond. Um, I'm gonna go with no. Um, I just. I think the solution might just be less uh, cousins and you're just kind of staggering them a little bit more in, in the playoffs and, and you're having Clay and KD finish plays and, and Steph just being this nightmare force that <laughs> just has uh, some of the most gravity that we've ever seen. Yeah, I kind of feel like the, the best role for KD in this offense is the one that has him in a good mood. Um, because ultimately <laughs> that's what dictates it. Like he can take over a game in a variety of ways. And what you want is him playing free as opposed to like, I don't know, being in a mood for a variety of reasons. So yeah. Which style of play is going to get him involved on defense? Because if exactly. he's in a good mood, he's going to make a big difference on defense. And when you already have when healthy, one of the most versatile defensive players ever in Draymond, uh, if you can get KD rolling offensively and contributing on defense, uh, it's you're, you're not going to lose. You know the funny thing? Um, the Oracle crowd responds more to KD making defensive plays than anything he does on offense. Um, yeah. And I think it's probably just – I mean, his his like uh, weak side blocks or stuff like that are wow plays, whereas like mm-hmm. hitting seven straight 17-footers is just kind of like – I mean, it's very impressive, but it's not. It's just not like the same. You guys have seen a lot of offense in the last few years. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just not the same as like a monster dunk or any variation of like a Steph three. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, let's see. Couple free agency questions. 
Ah. Uh, well, th- we we can springboard this. Okay. This is if we if we assume KD leaves. Mm-hmm. They're saying what veteran players should the Warriors target with the mid level, but it it's kind of a broader. I want to take this broader with you. Um, the fourteen to sixteen Warriors, obviously Steph, Clay, and Draymond were the core, but it was the fact that they had so many good players that fit perfectly around it, which made them, you know, like kind of all time good, right? And they were able to do that because Steph, Clay, and Draymond were really cheap. You usually don't get core pieces producing on their rookie deals or like one year off of their rookie deals before the extensions got big. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gave them the money to get an Iguodala, a Bogut, you know, Livingston, stuff like this. Now yeah. now they kind of have to, because they're going to have to pay all these guys, they're going to have to go bargain shopping, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. So... I'm I'm familiar with the practice for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what what should they actually be looking for in the in this post KD reality? I I think what you'd want is kind of versatile forwards. I, I think what you'd need to kind of get is some Draymond insurance. I mean, if he's not going to be right, uh, that's that's a problem no matter what. But if you could at least lessen the load a little bit in the regular season, I, I think you would want to get those type of guys. Um, someone that that's a placeholder. I mean, Jeff green kind of filled that role uh, for LeBron on the Cavs last year where, okay, he's not doing a great job throughout the course of a regular season, but he's at least being a body um, to, to take kind of some of that defensive responsibility. I think preserving Draymond has to be the priority. Cause I, I think Steph and clay will just continue to do what they're going to do. And if you can get a versatile um, forward that can kind of play that three four spot and play a little less dream on at the five in the regular season and and lighten the load on him. I, I think that has to be your priority. Yeah, I mean, th- the conversation no warrior fan wants to have is if KD leaves, do they have to trade Draymond and kind of look for kind of do the step backwards to take two steps forward? Yep. Um, I- I mean, that's, that's no a discussion gonna you, you're going to have to have. But no one's giving you sympathy for that. But No, and, and honestly, it's it's another one of those situations, like almost like what we were talking about with the Lakers young guys, where if that's the route you're going to go, um, keeping Draymond healthy, at least in the short term, and kind of showcasing him a little bit in that way, uh, I, I think that's what you would need to do. I, I don't think you trade him this summer, no matter what, is kind of my my main point. Well, I just don't think they could get anything. Like, if someone gave you the Godfather offer for Draymond, mm-hmm. um, obviously you have to think about it, but um, or do it, depending on what your definition of Godfather is. But it's 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 not coming, not for Draymond Green, one year away from an extension. Right. Uh, which he's made clear, you know, he wants to be paid what he feels he's owed, which he should. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it, you're just you're not getting like two starters and a high draft pick for him or something. You know, like that's that's not happening. Right, I agree. Um, last question. I like this one. Um, Giannis is a lock for All NBA second forward spot. KD or Paul George. Because we're, oh. we're both assuming, I mean, LeBron and Kawhi have both missed too much time, so they're out of the conversation. Agreed. So that's a tough one 
Um, I mean, I to me, I would have given it to Paul George uh, prior to him getting banged up here. He hasn't been playing as good. Prior to them falling to the eight seed? Yeah. Well, I mean, every single game, every day that passes, uh, you can jump from like eight to four uh, in the West right now. Um, but yeah, it's it, it does make it a little bit more difficult. Um, they also allow Bruno Caboclo to score 24 points and have 11 rebounds tonight. So my my opinion might be a little uh, colored by that. Um, I, I think I still give it to Paul George just because of his consistency on both ends. I mean, he's been the best player for the Thunder this year um, and was probably in the defensive player of the year conversation uh, earlier as well. Uh, so I, I'd give it to him. It's amazing to me because um, I think KD's still been better than him all year, but it just kind of speaks to um, KD's the only guy who comes close to getting the LeBron expectations where yep. like the baseline of what we consider a good year for them is not the same as what we consider for their quote unquote contemporaries. Oh, no, a- absolutely. And it's it's something he suffers from. And he also not only that he He's suffers from it. just. Yeah, just the the talent that's on the team, that hurts his case in these situations. Uh, Whether or not that's fair, that's a different discussion, but this is all contributing factors to why he might be leaving this summer. Yeah. Um, So we both know how it's going to play out when he goes to New York, if he goes to New York. If. Of course. For the people who are going to yell at me for saying I'm running him out of town. Um, (laughs) It's, you know, it's going to be a honeymoon for, how long is honeymoon lasting? Because I think it's going to last, like, majority of the first year. I I think it's going to last a while. I mean, Carmelo kind of gave us the blueprint, right? I mean, mean, a lot of Knicks fans still don't even hate him. If you can get the Knicks to relevance. I mean, realistically speaking, the East could look completely different next year. If Kyrie leaves Boston, why leaves? Let me say this. It's not going to be what they do on the court that leads to, like, fans being annoyed it's going to be the other stuff oh absolutely i mean if, if they put together like Kyrie, katie and find a way to get jimmy butler that's going to be the most miserable group of three guys a locker room could possibly have um i i do think the honeymoon will last the bulk of uh next season and it'll how bad it gets off the court is probably going to be dictated by the record on the court at least early on um, but by the second, third year, uh, I, I think you start to to get more of the drama. I just can't see a, w- a way in which Kyrie and Katie don't hate playing together like long term. They're they're just way too similar. Yeah. No. No. I, I get it. I, I think it's gonna think be. It's just gonna be can... so up and down. Is what it's gonna be like the um, when they're good. It's gonna be like the 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 most romantic thing of all time. But when it's bad, it's gonna be just it's it's gonna it's gonna be like that tension that like comes through your TV, right? And they're not going to be as good of a fit as Kyrie and LeBron. Um, I, I think or Kyrie's, Steph and Katie, right? And, and I think Kyrie's rounded out his game a little bit um, more since he's gone to Boston and, and kind of changed his role. But uh, I, I still think there, there's a lot of overlap there, and, and they're just they're weird personalities and. Who knows? Maybe, maybe after a season or two in New York, Kyrie just retires because uh, that is something he's hinted at a few times. And goes and uh, plays you, you drums just, in the jungle. 
Yeah, you just you just never. Well, no, he wants to he wants to go full Jonestown and uh, start oh, his God. own community. <laughs> so uh, that that's that's where that's going to go. Oh God, yeah. I was I was always thinking of I don't know how much you watch uh, international soccer, but um, Ronaldinho was like the best player in the world at like twenty five. Mm-hmm. And basically around 28, he stopped caring and was just more interested in partying. And by the age of 30, he would regularly be gone and like be seen at like these beach parties, just playing bongo drums till like 6 a.m. before game days, that type of thing. And it's just like <laughs> disinterested in the whole process. Like I've proven what I needed to prove. I'm just going to enjoy <laughs> my life. He, he's no clay. Yeah, no. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on this week. We can get you on in the playoffs sometime with Andy, who will um, keep you in line a little more. <laughs> Andy might bring out the reckless in me, so we'll, we'll see how that's going. Maybe uh, maybe you'll catch me on a, a day where I'm a little less sober. But I appreciate you having me on. A lot of fun. Um, I'm really Plus. interested to see where uh, this this goes for Golden State and, and what impact Katie leaving, if he does leave, uh, has on the league. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.